the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. And they're off. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. The holiday getaway is underway. Already, early bird travelers are taking flight. We hope that we can get out early and just be patient is the biggest thing. We just thought it'd be easier to travel today um, instead of like Tuesday or Wednesday. The TSA says tomorrow will be one of the three busiest travel days of the week, only topped by Thanksgiving Eve and Sunday. Correspondent Sam Brock says if you snooze, you lose this Thanksgiving. Turkey Day traffic is expected to be at its worst on Tuesday and Wednesday between 4 and 5 p.m. That's according to data analyzed by Google Maps. The best time to start your drive, today or tomorrow, at 8 p.m. Reporter Reed Cohen says 55 million of us will travel at least 50 miles from home this week, and the price at the pump is lower than last year. For travelers not willing to pay for pricey flights, gas prices nationwide are down from last year, averaging $3.31 a gallon. For these big holidays, taking the automobile is the number one mode of transportation. It's also the most economical for families. No matter how you make it to the Thanksgiving table, the cost of the traditional dinner is 4.5% lower, which takes the sting out of getting there. Bad weather could complicate things with a large storm expected to strike the central and eastern part of the country. For us, it'll be mostly a wet event, not a white event. Less in the way of snow, more in the way of rain. Overseas in the Holy Land, negotiations continue to try and win the release of hostages held by Hamas. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says the Jewish state continues efforts to eradicate the terror network. The war is progressing well and we're going to win. We have no other choice. Netanyahu says the stakes could not be higher in this war. We have to win. This is a battle of the forces of civilization against the forces of barbarism. And if barbarism wins in our part of the world, America will be next. Israel is fighting our war, but it's also fighting America's war. It's fighting your war and our victory will be your victory. Correspondent Alex Hogan says the misery index in the Palestinian controlled territory is hard to put into words. Six weeks into the war, more than half of the population is out of their home. The UN says that Gaza is only getting 10% of its required food and only 6% of the fuel that it received before the war. Aid organizations warn those fuel shortages will cause the healthcare system to collapse. Israeli paratroopers meantime raided the homes of senior Hamas commanders over the weekend as they continue to gain ground in Gaza. Tributes continue to pour in for the late Rosalind Carter, the former first lady who died Sunday at the age of 96. Here she is shortly after her husband Jimmy defeated Gerald Ford in the 1976 presidential election. And people got to know him and when they know him they vote for him. Thank you both very much. She's completely objective and unbiased. <laughs> I love politics. <laughs> Mrs. Carter was the first first lady to attend cabinet meetings while her husband was in the White House. Carter biographer Jonathan Alter. Well, she was a tremendous combination of formidable public figure and enormously gracious 
person. The former president issued a statement Sunday following the death of his wife of 77 years, saying, and I quote, as long as Rosalind was in the world, I always knew somebody loved me. It was truly, no exaggeration, one of the greatest love stories ever. Rosalind Carter helped build homes for the poor with her husband through Habitat for Humanity and became an advocate for those who suffer from mental illness. Argentina shocked the world last night with its presidential election results. Political newcomer Javier Malay swept to victory and is vowing to enact capitalism in South America's third largest economy. Patrick Gillespie with Bloomberg News. This is a historic moment in Argentina where Javier Milei, an outsider candidate proposing radical economic policies, has been elected the new president, president-elect of Argentina. Argentina reeling from triple-digit inflation caused by socialist policies. The president-elect wants to change the country's currency from the peso to the dollar. Many view Milei as Argentina's version of Donald Trump. And Spain Speaking of Trump, he was in Texas Sunday where he got the endorsement of Governor Greg Abbott in next year's presidential election. We need Donald J. Trump back as our president of the United States of America. Trump seemed flattered by the show of support and said of the Texas governor. He's doing the job of what the federal government is supposed to be doing. And I'm just telling you, Mr. Governor, I am going to make your job much easier. Trump continues to lead all others in the GOP field in the first two nominations states for 2024, Iowa and New Hampshire. Political insider Josh Kroshauer. It's not about the national numbers, it's about the state-by-state numbers. And you can actually see a glimmer, a glimmer of a path for both DeSantis and Haley. DeSantis needs to do really well in Iowa. He can't just do second place. He's got to be right on Trump's heels and show that Trump is maybe not quite as strong as he's imagined to be. Meantime, a new Monmouth University poll finds Nikki Haley surging in New Hampshire, which holds its first in the nation primaries just a week after after the Iowa caucuses. President Biden celebrating his 81st birthday today as concern continues to mount about his age. He is already the oldest president to ever hold office, and polls suggest a majority of voters have issues with his age. Kaylee McGee-White with the Washington Examiner. You're going to have this phenomenon in 2024 where there are going to be a lot of anti-Biden voters. This happened back in 2020, and I think that this is part of the reason why Trump lost is many people voted for Biden simply because they didn't want to vote for Trump. I think you're going to have the reverse this time around. Before heading to Nantucket for the Turkey Day holiday, Mr. Biden pardoned a couple of turkeys at the White House this morning. Liberty and Bell will live out their remaining days at a turkey sanctuary in Minnesota. Holiday hiring expected to hit a 15-year low this year. Business analyst Nancy Chen. Online giant Amazon stands out by adding more positions than last year. But many major companies say they're staying about the same or hiring fewer workers. Walmart hasn't announced seasonal plans at all, saying it's already fully staffed. Major retailers expected to add fewer than 400,000 seasonal workers to their payrolls this Christmas shopping season. The International Space Station is 25 years old. Space consultant Bill Harwood on what's next for the orbital outpost. After the station's retirement, in 2030, NASA hopes private industry will fill in the gap with commercial space stations that NASA can then use 
choose as a paying customer. ISS has been continuously occupied since the year 2000 as it orbits the Earth every 90 minutes. 269 people from 21 countries have called the space station home. Still to come on the Noon Report, bills get much-needed win, Thanksgiving travel crush, and settlement with a Satan club. Well, good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams. If you're traveling ahead of Thanksgiving regionally this afternoon, this evening, you're fine. It'll get a little messy for some of us later tomorrow, though. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Let's check the headlines from New York and Pennsylvania next. The mad dash is underway for the Thanksgiving holiday. It's here, folks. Patrick DeHaan with Gas Buddy says pump prices are the best they've been in three Thanksgiving. It's going to be the cheapest Thanksgiving to fill your tank since 2020. Of course, that was at the height of COVID when prices and demand were very low. DeHaan says the current decline has more to do with the weather than actual policy. A lot of what we're seeing right now is going to happen again next year, and a lot of people are probably going to think the seasonal decline in prices is political. This happens every year. Gas prices sure as time go down in the fall and go up in the spring. Regular unleaded is averaging about three fifty-eight a gallon in New York. Pennsylvania motorists are paying about the same to fill her up this holiday season. Area airports are gearing up for a crush in holiday travel as well. Bart Johnson with the TSA in western New York has some advice if you're flying anywhere for the holiday. Obviously, people uh, need to be prepared and uh, plan ahead and make sure that they get to the airport at least two hours ahead of time. And that's not pulling into the parking lot two hours ahead of time. I mean, at the checkpoint, ready to go two hours ahead. The Turkey Day travel season kicked off last Friday, November 17th, and will end on Tuesday, November 28th. Now, during that 12-day period, the TSA expects to screen about 30 million passengers. The search continues for the driver of a white Volvo semi-truck that struck and killed a man on Interstate 86 in the village of Bath, New York, late Friday or early Saturday. 40-year-old John Viviano of Sydney, New York, died at the scene. I-86 westbound between exits 38 and 39 was closed for several hours following that hit and run. An eastern Pennsylvania school district has reached a deal with an after-school Satan club. Here's Family Life Sarah Harness. The American Civil Liberties Union filed a lawsuit against the Saucon Valley School District in Hellertown, Pennsylvania, alleging discrimination after it barred the Satanic Club from using a school building. The district is settled out of court and will have to pay $200,000 in attorney's fees to the Satanic Temple and the after-school Satan Club that it sponsors and to provide the same access as it does to other organizations. Many parents were angry after the group began promoting Educating with Satan meetings on school grounds. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Unbelievable. Thank you, Sarah. Pennsylvania Republicans are still struggling to catch up with Democrats when it comes to early voting. New data shows in the November 7th election, Democrats returned more than half a million mail-in ballots. Republicans, less than 180,000. Voting by mail, by the way, has been legal in Pennsylvania since 2019. A growing number of overdose deaths has prompted a warning from Buffalo police. That story, new at noon, from Family Life's D. 
Dee Haley. Four suspected deaths from overdoses during a 24-hour period led the Buffalo Police Department to issue a warning Saturday night. The four deaths reportedly occurred in different parts of the city. Buffalo Police said in a statement that suspected crack and or powder cocaine was found at each scene. Early last month, the Chautauqua County Health Department issued an alert after four people died of drug overdoses in the Jamestown area in one weekend. Health Department and law enforcement at that time said a deadly supply of street drugs had likely been circulating in the community. Dee Haley, Family Life News. Thank you, Dean. Well, if you're cooking Thanksgiving dinner this year, experts say it'll soon be time to get that frozen bird out of the freezer and into the fridge. Thawing in the refrigerator is going to be the safest method of thawing. Meredith Carruthers with USDA's Meat and Poultry Hotline explains why you should avoid leaving that bird on the counter to thaw. Thawing at room temperature is the thing that kind of dooms people's Thanksgiving from the start. Those then could create heat-resistant toxins that won't be killed by the cooking process. And then if you eat those, it could essentially make you sick. Typically, it takes about 24 hours for every five pounds of turkey that you intend to thaw this Thanksgiving. A celebrity will be honored at this year's National Dog Show, and like the other participants, this one has four legs. A Pennsylvania State Police dog who helped in the high-profile search and arrest of an armed escape murderer near Philadelphia is being honored for his work. Canine officer Rom will be a special guest at this year's National Dog Show. Rom was heavily involved in the search for Danilo Cavalcante, who was captured September 13th after a 13-day manhunt. The police canine will be joined at the dog show by Trooper Lucius Flood, who will sing the national anthem and the state police color guard. The dog show, held annually by the Kennel Club of Philadelphia, was taped on Saturday and will be broadcast on NBC at noon on Thanksgiving Day. Brian Query, Family Life News. Hi, Brian. Thank you very much for that. You're plugged into the Noon Report, a Monday edition on Family Life. Let's check sports next. The Buffalo Bills blew out their in-state rival New York Jets 32-6, your final at Highmark Stadium yesterday. Quarterback Josh Allen, who threw three touchdown passes, says his team showed a lot of toughness. Every season, man, like you're going to have adversity. It's how you, you bounce back from the adversity, and sometimes it takes a spark like this to, to ignite your team. Buffalo improves to 6-5 and five on the season. They take on the Eagles next week in Philadelphia. Philly travels to KC tonight for a big Monday night football showdown against the Chiefs. It's a rematch of last year's Super Bowl, and both teams are coming off a bye week. Eagles QB Jalen Hurts says having that extra week off should help. Just being able to refresh. You know, I'm obviously getting ready for this second half of the year. Should be a good one. The 8-1 and one Eagles taking on the 7-2 and two Chiefs at Arrowhead. Kickoff set for just past 8 on ESPN and ABC. The New York Giants dominated both sides Sides of the footballs, they defeated the Washington Commanders 31 to 19 in Landover, Maryland yesterday. Giants head coach Brian Dable. You know, defense special teams had six turnovers, hit some good big plays, finished the game. You know, made it probably tougher than we had to. That was good to get a win. Quarterback Tommy DeVito threw three touchdown passes to help the G-Men win their third game of the season. The Pittsburgh Steelers lost on a last-second field goal to their AFC rival, the Cleveland Browns, 13. 
16-10, your final in a hard-fought defensive battle. Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Against a great defense in their venue, you're not going to drive the ball, you know, 15 play drives and things like that. You need some chunks to comprise those scoring drives, and we knew that. We worked toward that. We just didn't connect on enough of them. With the loss, the Steelers dropped to 6-4 and four on the season. Cleveland improves to 7-3. and three. Syracuse University's fired its football coach Dino Babers. The Orange had a 41-55 record in his eight seasons at the helm. SU only made it to two bowl games during that time. The tight ends coach will serve out the rest of the season for Syracuse. And the Philadelphia Phillies have locked down their ace pitcher Aaron Nola. The 30-year-old agreeing to a seven-year $172 million deal that'll keep him in Philly. Nola will average just a hair over $24.5 million per season. At the Family Life Sports Desk, I'm Bob Price. And still to come on the Noon Report for a Monday, Turkey Day getaway. Happy birthday, Mr. President and Argentina's Donald Trump. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. At the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In his book, Orthodoxy, G.K. Chesterton observed that even insane explanations for the world can have a kind of perverse consistency. A madman who thinks he's the king of England has a ready explanation for anyone who denies his claim. They're conspirators trying to keep him away from his throne. His mind, Chesterton wrote, moves in a perfect but narrow circle. Well, Chesterton's asylum example also applies to a recent article that was published at phys.org about a scientist who has written a book to convince everyone that humans don't have free will. Neuroendocrinologist and MacArthur Genius Grant winner Robert Sapolsky has studied people and primates for over 40 years now. In his book, Determined, A Science of Life Without Free Will, Dr. Sapolsky argues that humans are molecular machines, wholly determined by our genes, our environments, and our past. Thus, he says, our behavior, even that behavior which would be condemned as criminal or evil, is no more a choice than, and I quote, the convulsions of a seizure, the division of cells, or the beating of our hearts, end quote. Now, of course, the implications, if this were true, would be absolutely incredible. One Los Angeles Times reporter memorably put it this way, quote, This means accepting that a man who shoots into a crowd has no more control over his fate than the victims who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It means treating drunk drivers who barrel into pedestrians just like drivers who suffer a sudden heart attack and veer out of their lane, end quote. Where Dr. Sapolsky's argument isn't new. In fact, it's the standard reductive version of metaphysical naturalism, which teaches that all phenomena have material causes. And since these causes are themselves materially caused, nature's a closed system of dominoes. The problem, of course, which philosophers and writers over the years have long pointed out, is that if everything is determined, and if humans do not have a free will, that would include the belief in metaphysical naturalism and every part of the thought process that led to that belief. Assuming this view, the reason Dr. Sapolsky believes what he does has nothing to do with what he's learned from his research or whether or not it's even true. Instead, it's the predetermined result of a long process of material causes that stretch all the way back to the Big Bang. His book, his arguments, his belief that his book and his arguments will somehow make the world a better place are not meaningful. They're just the latest dominoes to have fallen, and it could never have been otherwise. Well, to his credit, Dr. Sapolsky seems aware of that absurdity, but just chooses to accept it. It is logically indefensible, ludicrous, meaningless, he says, to believe that something good can happen to a machine. Nonetheless, I'm certain that it is good if people feel less pain and more happiness, end quote. 
But why is it good for people to be happier or to have less pain if everything is determined? Why is it preferable to live in a society marked by peace and safety rather than chaos and violence? And why appeal to people to make a meaningful choice between these options when their choice is already determined and meaningless? Chesterton's answer to such a small reductive worldview was to confront it with the immensity of the real world and human experience and to notice how they do more explaining away than actual explaining. In the very act of denying moral responsibility in a moral universe, we have to, in some sense, act as if meaning exists. It's a crazy effort to deny meaning, but that doesn't stop even geniuses from trying it. All the more evidence of our profound freedom and our ability to abuse it. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Thank you, John. Let's head outside next. Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. The golf for this afternoon, plenty of sunshine. High temps, 30s and low 40s. Clouds increase tonight. It turns breezy near Lake Erie with some late night rain there. Low temps, 20s and low 30s with rising temps overnight. Tomorrow, cloudy. Rain will overspread the region. It'll arrive on the I-81 corridor in the afternoon where it could begin mixed with sleet and snow. High temperatures, mid-30s to mid-40s. Couple leftover rain or snow showers then on Wednesday. All right, Kevin, thank you kindly. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's happening. Monday, November 20th. By plane, train, and automobile, Americans are on the go for the Thanksgiving holiday. AAA's Alex Johnson. This Thanksgiving is the busiest Thanksgiving holiday in years. Expect the airports themselves to be quite full. You know, it's one of the busiest travel periods of the entire year. Experts say the worst time to be on the roads is tomorrow and Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. The best time to get out of Dodge is today or tomorrow at 8 p.m. Israeli defense forces have unearthed a tunnel used by Hamas underneath the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza. It's the largest hospital in the Palestinian territory. That tunnel includes a sniper's nest and blast-proof door. Reporter Keir Simmons says talks continue to try and win the release of some of the hostages that Hamas has been holding for 45 days. With many desperate families demonstrating in Israel this weekend. Sources familiar with the negotiations confirmed that talks mediated by the U.S. and Qatar are on the brink of a breakthrough. Over the weekend, the Israeli army released video showing Hamas herding hostages into the Al-Shifa hospital on October 7th, the very day it launched that surprise attack on Israel. A memorial service is planned next week for the late Rosalind Carter. There's nobody who doesn't love Mrs. Carter. The former first lady died yesterday at her home in Plains, Georgia. She was 96. Sad, but what a legacy. The Carters have certainly left their mark on this globe and continue to. Former President Jimmy Carter issued a statement following the death of his wife of 77 years, saying, as long as Rosalind was in the world, I always knew somebody loved me. It's now my pleasure to introduce someone whom I love and respect and cherish, my wife Rosalind. Three days of tribute are planned next week for the late Rosalind Carter in Atlanta and in Plains, Georgia, where the former first lady will be laid to rest. Argentina has a new president, and just like Donald Trump did in this country, this guy has rocked the political establishment of Latin America. Javier Malay, far-right economist and television personality, joined the political fray just three years ago. Now he's in charge of the third largest economy in Latin America as it teeters on the edge of disaster. Porque hoy comienza la reconstrucción de Argentina. Malay rode to power on a wave of 
popular discontent over a stagnating economy with a 40% poverty rate and inflation nearing 150%. This woman says she supports Malay because she's looking for change in Argentina, a country she says has been suffering from years of decadence. Correspondent Ed O'Keefe, President Biden turns 81 today. He's already the oldest man to ever hold that office. A recent New York Times poll finds more than 70% of Americans think the president is too old. Political analyst Tiffany Smiley says it's not his age that's the problem, it's his policy. Majority of people, they want solutions to the economy, and I'm sorry, Bidenomics is not cutting it. Families are struggling out in the real America today. Former White House Chief of Staff Carl Rowe. The cost of living has gone up a cumulative 18%, and median household income has dropped 3%, which means what people were able to buy three years ago is now cost them about 20% more given the change in both prices and wages. This morning, the president pardoned a couple of turkeys, Liberty and Bell, at a White House event. Mr. Biden plans to spend the holiday with his family on Nantucket, off the coast of Massachusetts. You're listening to the Noon Report, a Monday edition on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Issues in Education. Mondays during the Noon Report, we spotlight the issues impacting our schools with Dr. Ralph Kerr at the Teaching and Learning Institute in beautiful Houghton, New York. Well, Ralph, much to discuss this week. I want to begin with a blue ribbon commission that went public. This happened actually last week, but these are proposed changes to high school graduation rules in New York, and this is a big deal. Uh, there's about a dozen or so of these recommendations. What ones do you like? Uh, what ones don't you like? And uh, when will these changes be implemented? Well, I went through and kind of rated them. And I rated them as one we're already doing. Another one is a change back to the way it used to be done. There were four with what I saw as really minor changes. There was one I really liked. And there were five that I didn't like at all. New York, as you know, is a huge state and there's real diversity. People that live in New York City and that live in the southern tier and in the Buffalo area are just very different people. Yeah. And I believe that any kind of developed rubric should be developed at the local level. And then another one I really don't like is to create more specific tailored graduation requirements. Now, I recognize that one size does not fit all, but teachers are struggling as it is with differentiated instruction. It sounds like now we're going to have different differentiated graduation requirements. And I think when it all gets said and done, employers are looking for people that can pass rigorous examinations. Mm. And I don't think we should waste our time really trying to create unique circumstances for diploma requirements for certain groups of students. Yeah, and we'll see when this gets implemented. There's several months, probably not till next year at the earliest, but it seems like one of the impetus for this was just too much testing, uh, allegedly. That's what the Board of Regents is saying. And if a kid is really good at, like, uh, body shop, and instead of giving him an exam, have him rebuild an engine. And if he does it well, say, you're moving 
on. Um, do you yeah, agree with that, that? I do. And that's the one actually that I really liked. And uh, that was to ensure access to career and technical education. If you've ever tried to get a plumber or electrician or take your car somewhere for servicing, we need more people that are in the career technical education tracks. So I'm all over that one yeah. in particular. It's going to be a long time before these changes will be implemented. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do more study on each of these, which is typical for education. Yeah, and those Blue Ribbon Commissions uh, tend to take their time, too, with these sorts of things. <laughs> they spend yeah. a lot of our taxpayer dollars in the process. Uh, we'll see what comes out next. But we got to remember our friends in Pennsylvania as well. Ralph, we've talked about this repeatedly, the teacher shortage issue. I saw a story this week that I really wanted to talk to you about, and this called the Cadet Program. It basically gives high school seniors in Pennsylvania who are interested in teaching careers a chance to do sort of like internships in the classroom with the prospects of those students one day becoming full-time teachers. What do you think is the right approach to addressing the teacher shortage epidemic? Bob, if I had the answer to that, I would be a millionaire (laughs) overnight because there isn't one solution to that, but there needs to be some creative solutions. And I applaud the people in Pennsylvania for thinking of this one. I like the name of it, the cadet program. I just hope that if it is implemented, that it will be done with some structure Mm -hmm. because otherwise students could really just look at the class that they're in and say, do I really want to try to teach these group of kids? So there needs to be some structure and some understanding for what they're getting into. But within that framework, I think it's a great idea and it's one of many new approaches that we need to come to grips with Hmm. or this dire situation that we already have is just going to continue to get worse. One of the things unique to today's classroom is artificial intelligence. We've heard a lot about this and how it's advancing and I had a teacher tell me the other day he doesn't give homework because of this. I don't know what the name of that program is, Chat GPS or whatever, where kids can just log into and they get this computer to do their homework for them. What do you think school districts need to be doing now to get out in front of this before it becomes a real problem in the classroom? Well, you've hit it right on the head, Bob, and that is that we need to be up in front and recognize that the students are involved with artificial intelligence. They've checked out several of these websites, one that you mentioned, and the sooner that teachers come to grips with it, I think the better off they'll be. And to your friend that was concerned about the homework, I read an interesting article that said if teachers are concerned about students using AI to get their answers, then they should look at the questions that they're asking the students. In other words, what's the homework? Even if you use AI, then to ask them, okay, so what's your critique of the answers that AI gave to you? And why are the answers important or unimportant that AI gave to you? So I think it's kind of a cheap way out to say, well, kids might cheat by using AI. Mm -hmm. I think they need to look at what are the questions that they're asking and uh, get in touch with where we are today. All right. Just when we thought we were going to get rid of homework, Ralph comes back with a solution for that. Sorry, kids. Uh, But this is a great topic. And uh, you're talking about this and others online, those recommendations for graduation in New York. I'm sure folks are going to want to learn more by logging on to your website. Ralph, where can they do that? Thank you, Bob. They can do that at simply whyrun.org, whyrun.org. 
Dr. Kerr, thank you very much. Issues in Education comes your way Mondays during the Noon Report or online anytime, familylife.org. Just look for the News tab on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. High pressure that has been producing a quiet and fairly clear conditions most recently is going to give way to low pressure, a system that's going to bring us rain tomorrow. Now, as that rain arrives, it will begin as a mix of sleet and snow for some spots. I don't think the travel will be greatly impacted, but let's watch central New York and northeast Pennsylvania for later Tuesday afternoon and evening. Thereafter, the precipitation tapers to a bit of rain or grizzle, and temperatures will be moderate through Thanksgiving Day. The golf for this afternoon, plenty of sunshine, high temps, 30s and low 40s. Clouds increase tonight, it turns breezy near Lake Erie with some late night rain there. Low temps, 20s and low 30s with rising temps overnight. Tomorrow, cloudy, rain will overspread the region. It'll arrive on the I-81 corridor in the afternoon where it could begin mixed with sleet and snow. High temperatures, mid-30s to mid-40s. Couple leftover rain or snow showers then on Wednesday. All right, Kevin, thanks for the update. And finally at noon, that Thanksgiving bird gets a bad rap when it comes to the after-dinner snooze fest. Here's correspondent Bree Tennis. You can blame the bird for being tired after your Thanksgiving meal, but that blame is misdirected. Turkeys do have L-tryptophan, that's an amino acid, and it does make you sleepy. The British Medical Journal says to hit that food coma, you'd have to eat 12 grams of L-tryptophan. That translates to about 8 pounds of turkey. So in actuality, Nerdist says it's not the bird that sends you into dreamland, it's the carbs. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. And now we know. Thank you, Bree. That's our world for Monday, the 20th of November. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.